Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Central Church of God, located at 5120 Central Avenue, Portage, Indiana. Here, you can listen to Sunday service by Pastor Robert Sluter. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want more information about our church, please feel free to contact Pastor Robert at 219-963-8496. so good you may be seated right now thank you praise team for leading us in worship what an exciting night just to see those being water baptized and because you've given your heart to Jesus Christ aren't you glad that you're saved amen those uh, watching online we welcome you we're glad that uh, we're able to celebrate what we just witnessed tonight we don't take lightly we don't take it for granted and uh, I'm glad that I've been water baptized when I was young and it's something I've never forgotten it seals us, amen? That's not what saved us, but there's something refreshing. And so we celebrate with you tonight, those who are water baptized. Uh, Pastor Raphael is going to come tonight and, and deliver the word. And so just be ready to receive from God tonight and, and just be ready for what God is going to do in our, our altar time. And, and we're just going to trust him, amen? How many is ready for revival? We're just saying about it. Not only just here in Portage, but in LaPorte. We're praying for your church. And uh, uh, Brother Sister Channel, so good to have you with us tonight. Welcome. I know you've been in Indiana for a, a couple of years, and we've got a chance to fellowship with, uh, with them on a few occasions. We have breakfast about once a month together, and, and so we're so glad that you're here in Indiana. I know your church is glad and excited that, uh, that you're leading them, and, and God has good things in store for uh, the church in Laporte. God has good things in store for us here, so we're just a happy family here tonight. Pastor Raphael, come and, and lead us in this time tonight. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to... Uh the word tonight. I thank you for coming out, and I'm here to give you the word. I'm not here to give you a book report. I'm here to give you the living word of God. Amen. We're here for nothing else but that. Praise God. Well, my name is Raphael. As pastor has shared with you, I've been in the ministry since uh, 1983, so uh, I've been around a while. So I've seen a few things, but uh, I'm always I'm always look, looking for more. I'm always wanting more. We're always needing more. I'm, I'm thankful that, I, that God has given me that calling that long ago, and I'm grateful to be here to, to act upon that. I don't get to preach in my home church much at all. I'm always out in the streets doing other things. Uh, me and my wife work in a ministry. Uh, we, we reach out to people who are abused by religious groups and, and 
that's a whole world in itself. We're not here to talk about that, though. Uh, I'm here to give you the word, and I'm grateful once again. Just so thankful to be here to do this. I'm, I really am. Praise God. Well, we've been talking here at Central Church of God. One of our, our themes has been about renewal, restoration. Uh, it's been about revival. It's been about all these, it's been all rebuilding. That's the word I'm looking for, Pastor. Boy, I'm, I should know that, but after a year of him preaching through that. And what are, what, are rebuild, what are rebuildings? What are renewing? What is that? What is it? It's, it's a beginning. It's you're restarting things up all over again. And that's what we want to speak about tonight in our, in our, in our message tonight. And I'm gonna, we're going to be preaching through it. I'm not going to be reading it. I'll be reading a text as we preach, as I, as I bring it out to you. So uh, if you want to uh, get our next slide up there, brother, you can share what our, our title is. And it's a kind of a, again, goes right back. To, it's what I had come to, come to think about. I said, you know what? Renewal, rebuilding, restoration. That's all a, that's all a beginning, right? A renewal, a, re- a beginning all over. But I've been in the ministry long enough to know that I've been called to proclaim a message. The gospel as well as the kingdom is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Let that sink in your hearts a moment. He is on the way. He could come before the end of this service. Praise God. I mean, I don't have to worry about my mortgage no more. Praise God. Or a lot of other things. I'm sure all of us would feel the same way. But here we are on a night of baptism. And what is baptism? It is a beginning. It's a a stepping over from death to life. It's when you are, when you as those who are are baptized, you have made your mind up. You're going to identify with Jesus all the way. You're no longer alive. You are no longer your own. Jesus Christ, you have made his life your own. And in this time of beginning, in this renewal of I, I, the Lord led upon me to bring to you 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 19. If you had your Bibles, you can turn it. That's where I'm going to start here. And the title, as I said, is called Beginning in the End. We're beginning in the end. And that's what I'm mentioning. We are in the end. We're in the end times. I can't, I've been preached, I've, I've preached here three times, but I can't get away from the pastor. That still, that, that weighs heavy on my heart. In the ministry we do, we reach out to people who are ripped off by cults and false religion. We see the, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, saying, Take heed, no man deceive you. We see it again and again. And why did he say that? He was answering a question. By his disciples, and the disciples asked him, Jesus, what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? He said, take heed, no one deceive you. But that's just, that's just one sign that the end is coming. Go to the next slide, brother. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. We want to read this here. But verse 7, we want to read this. The end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. So in a time of beginning, if we're, going to be, if we're going to be renewing, rebuilding, restoring, refreshing, we're going to be starting all up again. Let's remember this very important beginning thought. Let's understand the hour, the moment we're in. 
the end of all things is at hand. We see civilization shaking everywhere, from Washington to Hollywood, from Wall, from, from Wall Street to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Portage, Indiana. Our civilization is not, this is not crumbling yet. God's, God's might and power is keeping us together. But there's clearly an end. We're going somewhere with this. And he, Jesus is, is, is wanting us to realize through this anointed servant, Peter, who wrote this in 62 AD when he was living in Rome. He's writing to Christians who are, who are under tremendous persecution. But by that point, they were still being tolerated by the corrupt Roman Empire. And, and, and a few years later, Peter would lose his life. He would be crucified on a cross, upside down, in, in, in Rome. He didn't want to be crucified like a, like a savior was. He wanted to be crucified in a way that, that, that lowered him even further. Because he, was, he understood the cost of what it meant to be a Christian, to want to identify with that, with that new life. He understood that cost. And, and before, he, before he arrived at that point, before the great persecution by the evil emperor Nero brought forth, before that all started, Jesus was, he was warning Christ, or Jesus was warning Peter, wanting to understand the end of all things. Is that He remembered that time. He remembered what Jesus told him in Jerusalem. The end of all things. And why? Why did he say that? He wanted to realize we need to be aware. If you know something's going to end, you're going you're to get a, a perspective on it real quick, right? When you got that last sip of that delicious melted um, milkshake in that bottom of your DQ cup, you want that last little bit, you, you realize the end's coming, right? You want to savor that last little bit of it, right? Here, Peter is wanting to say, listen, folks, the end of all things. What is all things? Everything. Everything is good. Now, no, tomorrow, by the grace of God, we're going to wake up tomorrow if Jesus doesn't come. We're going to go to our jobs. We're going to go to our hospitals. We're going to go do what we're going to do. And we're going to forget what I said. That's fine. What I say is unimportant. What this word says is everything. Remember, the end of all things is at hand. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. We don't know yet, but we're, by the grace of God, we need to be aware the, the world is changing. Hasn't COVID taught us that? <laughs> with the, with the new, we're, we're waiting here for the normal. There is no normal coming back. We're in the new normal. But with that unbelievable change, our world has changed. We can go on and on about that point, but I don't think I need to say any more. But Peter is wanting us to understand He's telling the brothers and sisters, beware, the end of all things that is at hand. If you think something is coming down, something's going to end, something you really want, something you really want to hold on to, you really want to do all you can to, to kind of just really grip a hold of it and, and, and not let it go, not lose it. But realize, you're saying, it's, no, it's going to slip out of your hand. You're going to lose it. So think about that. Where do we all stand? What, what's, what in our worlds would change? What in where we live, what would absolutely dumbfound us 
if, they, if it all ended. Now, as Christians, we have a heavenly hope. Praise God. But in this world, which is all we've ever known, all we've ever felt, we've hopefully got our eyes sometimes a lot better. But we need to understand. We need to keep warning. Look, I'm not trying to, and every minister knows we're not trying to spread fear, but we're just trying to be faithful to what the Word of God says. The end is at hand. Let's be ready in light of that. Let's be ready to commit our lives in such a way that we understand where our values are. How are we going to spend our money? Where are we going to spend our time? What are we going to be doing in, 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 in light of that? How then, as the old question asks, shall we live? Next verse, or next slide, brother. We go on to this. I'm going to suggest four things tonight. I've numbered them very neatly if you're taking notes. First thing, we want, first thing Peter is saying here, looks, we need to understand, we need to love and pray. He says here, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Verse 8, and above all things have, what does it say? Fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. One of the marks of a changed life is one in which you are operating by love. And I'm not talking about the fickle kind of human love that we, that we so easily think is, 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 is from God, which can be so easily poisoned by rumor or, 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 or uh, evil reports or backbiting or gossip. The human love we have is so fickle. It's something we cannot trust in. We are, we are just so absolutely unreal. Uh, my wife and I were just always amazed when we talked to people in these movements we help, how many of them get into them because they think they found love. They think they have found godly love. And more and more and more that we, we see it, as, 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 and it's, it's been exponentially getting worse and worse. These groups, they show that, 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 that kind of fickle love. They fool people into thinking that, that it's okay to be, to be verbally pistol whipped in the name of Jesus. And that's the kind of human love that we're talking about that's disguising itself as Christianity these days in too many places. And some of them are even, like I said, within the very reach of our own doors here. They're all over. And, be, and Peter is warning us, look, have your love be fervent. Let it be Holy Ghost filled. How many know the difference? How many can tell the difference? When Holy Ghost love comes upon you, forgive, period. You love, period. You give things up. Period. You compromise for people. Period. You turn the other cheek. Period. That's what divine love is. It's a love, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, that is what? Patient. Gentle. Seeks not its own. This is the love we should be sharing with one another. This is how we should be living amongst ourselves. It says here in, 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 verse, uh, verse, uh, uh, in the verses here right there in where we, we read here in 1 Peter we said here, it says, it says, we should have fervent love for one another. For that love's going to cover a multitude of sins. 
Are we loving as we should be? Are we loving others as we ought to be? Are we loving the world as we ought to be? It's amazing how often we expect to win the world, but we don't really care for it much. By the way, we talk about it. I mean, yes, we can bemoan how bad things are and sinful people can be in the situation, but the people involved, are, are, they're, they're bound and they're hell-bound and, and they're bound by sin. They need the mercy that we should be able to extend to them, and that should extend to how we speak of them, how we pray for them. And that goes right back to what we talked about. We, we should be serious and watch in those prayers. Instead of talking about someone, we should be praying for them. Instead of, instead of just, just, just criticizing someone, we should be praying for them. I mean, it was well said a long time ago. If you want to see how popular a pastor is, look at his church on Sunday morning. If you want to see how popular Jesus is, look at where the prayer meeting is. Jim Simba wrote that long, long time ago in his book on prayer. And you know what? That is so unbelievably true. Churches that should have, have at least as many people in prayer being as, as they do on Sunday mornings are empty. We should be praying in light of the end of all things. We should be serious. We should be watchful. We should be looking about. We should be praying for this and praying for that. Our prayer meeting should be times in which we are interceding. We're on our knees. We're calling on the name of Jesus to intervene, to move in Gaza, to move in Portage, to move in Chicago, to stop those murders, to arrest those spirits of violence. We should be praying that way. Do we? Do we? Is the church praying as it ought to be? Well, that's what Peter's warning us. Therefore, be serious and watchful. We watch. We see. What is to watch? You're beholding something. You see something. You behold it. And then what do you do? You, you, you talk about it. You complain about it. You turn off TV. You go watch Netflix. Oh, you get on your knees. You cry. You pray. Every time I hear of a murder in Chicago, Every time I hear of some horrible act of, of corruption, it, I, I, it breaks, I wish I have, I can't but whisper a prayer. God help us. Stop those things, God. Move on these people. And somehow, Lord, bring good, your good out of it all. And I'll be honest with you, I've gotten so hard. It's been so, it's, it's, that's a tough road to walk, saints. I've gotten this gotten so near the point I don't even want to watch television anymore. <laughs> Who does? It's the same thing, but we can't do it. We gotta be watchful. Not necessarily TV necessarily, but we have to watch. We gotta be serious. We've been light too long. I'm no look, I'm not I, I liked I'm I'm a I like to have a good time. I'm not a killjoy. Anyone in our church here knows that. I love to, to, to have fun like anyone else. But you know what? There's times when we really got to buckle down. Look, we got to be serious about this stuff. That's what Peter's saying here. Because that love coming on prayer is going to cover those sins. It's going to reach out and change those worlds. It also extends to how we serve one another. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. If you're, love, if you're walking in the love of God, you're not going to mind being with the saints of God. Amen? 
You're not going to mind being in church on Sunday night, which blesses me to see you all here. You're not going to mind coming to Tuesday night prayer meeting or anything else that, that, that is done to help bring the church together to serve and love and pray. You're not going to mind that. Yes, I understand we all have busy schedules. I know realize everybody can't be in everything. We, we know that. But you can do more sometimes, I think, than what you give yourself credit for. God's calling us to be serious, to be watchful, to pray, to love. And part of that is hospitality. I've never known a more hospitable person than my wife. You come to my home, I guarantee you, you're going to leave about 10 pounds heavier. My wife will absolutely fall over herself to make sure you are fed and watered. She's going to make sure her amazing, her amazing wonder dog, Roxy, licks you about 100 times. I mean, she's going to make absolutely sure that you are at home, at peace. That's hospitality. But, you know, but hospitality is, is, is a manifestation of love for someone, caring for someone. If, you're going to, if we're going to win the world, we better be a hospitable people. If we can't stand to see one another in church, how are we going to win the world? Amen. Excuse me, I gotta iron my I gotta water my pipes here. I mean that's where it all comes. Uh, in a course of our ministry, my wife and I were about three months several months ago in Cincinnati. We were helping uh, a group of people who've been affected by impacted by a, this cult down there. I've been going on 20 years, no one said anything about it. Churches have, have Come in, come in and, un, and unwittingly su supported this movement, which paints itself as this loving band of, 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 of Christian misfits. But they're really some just very, very mean people. And, and there's so many people who have been wounded by the. And this one lady we, 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 we went down to go visit, she was at least as hospital as my wife. She has a big house. She slaughtered a fat of calves and maybe a few, and a few other things. And she opened her home up to her. And, and she does this on a regular basis. She had like 40, 50 people at her home every other month for fellowship, for prayer, for people, for bringing people to, 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 to reason together and read what the scripture says, to hopefully get their heads together. That is hospitality. That's ministry. We need to be as Peter says, loving and praying. Next slide, brother, if you don't mind. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10 says, serve and give. 10 through 11. It says here, for each of you, for each of you has received a gift. Each of you. Now I'm looking at a lot of people here. But each of you, the scripture says, each as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what the word manifold means? It means manyfold, many different things. Every one of you people under the sound of my voice right now have a gift. You're called to use it. Don't sit on your hands. In the name of Jesus, don't sit on your hands. Because it says here, you are being used. The grace of God wants to use you. Hallelujah. There's, and I'm not talking about just, you know, the Pentecostal gifts of 
miracles and speaking in tongues and prophecy. Hey, that's, I'm all for that. I'm a Pentecostal, okay? But there's other things. There's other callings. As the scripture says, goes on in verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. You know, you, 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 we're just ordinary people here, right? We're ordinary folks. We're all cut from the same cloth. But every one of us are meant to be used of God in such a way that we minister that God uses us. Our voice may tremble a little bit. Our hands might shake a little bit. We might stumble a little bit. But God is there speaking through us, speaking to you. Maybe you've got a word to give to a discouraged coworker. Maybe you see someone on the street that, 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 that could probably use a handout. That, at this point, you discern that this person is in dire need, of course. Maybe there's something you can do. I don't know. I'm, I'm not God. But every one of you, you're going to go places I'll never go. But God puts you in this place to hear tonight. He has a gift everyone you can use. Whether it's spiritual or whether it's, 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 it's something practical, God means to use you. He says here, let him do what it says, with the ability which God supplies. If, it's, if you feel led to do something, you're kind of wondering, oh, should I do that? You know, if, if you feel led to do it, you know, and God's, and, and you feel that, 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 look, just release, just step out, be bold. Get some Holy Ghost guns and just step out and see what God will do because he will supply it to you. That's what the scripture here says, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion and forever and ever. Amen. That's a praise break right there if I ever seen one. Speak as the oracles of God. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I've been in ministry since 1983. I've been preaching and teaching. and everything. But you know what? I'm not... Some of, the most, some of the most wonderful things I've seen God do, God do, not me, is being in places where you wouldn't think you could ever hear the voice of God, like in nursing homes, like in break rooms, busy factories. God speaks to us. I, I had a man come up to me once. He had an eye problem, really bad eye problem. You see how, how infected his eye was, and I... His name, was, his name was Friend. Friend. That was literally his name, Friend. I said, hey, brother, what's wrong, man? He, said, he was a believer. He said, man, my eye hurts. It's a really bad effect. I can't afford to go to the doctor. I said, come on, let's pray. Let's pray. And right there in the middle of a bunch of heathens, <laughs> I laid hands on him. I said, as a friend, in the name of Jesus, be touched, be made whole. And by the end of that shift, it was gone. But that wasn't anything me. He could have done, he could have, anyone could have done that. We, all we got to do is step out and believe that what we do is of God. If it's in this word, if the word of God tells us to do it, and we do it, and we do it, and God leads us, you know, it's going to happen. He's going to bless it. He's going to use it. That he be glorified. Hallelujah. That's the best part. That Jesus gets the glory. Not our movement, not our, all the stuff that we can put up with religious empires. That God alone gets the glory. Amen. That's the whole point. That's why these movements that we, we've ministered to exist because, because the egos that move them 
are so caught up in their own legacy. They're caught up in having the world look at them while they thump their chest and say, look at us. We've got all these numbers. We do it better than the first Christians ever did back in, since Jerusalem. Look at us. And that, that kind of, God, of ungodly thing has been going on since then. It's been going on. But we need to be serving. We need to be serving one another. We need to be giving one another. We should be worrying about who gets the glory. Who gets the credit? Who gets this? Who gets that? I could care less. If, if, this, if this represented, honey, don't take this personally. If this represented everything I have for Jesus, I, everything I've ever done, and I'm so, proud, I'm so glad it was here that God gave it to me. You know what? When before him, I'll just do this. I guarantee you. Lord, it's yours. It's yours, Lord. We want him. To get the glory. Honey, find that before I lose. No, I got it. <laughs> no, no. We don't, want, we, don't, we don't want to do that. No. Um, got a story about that. Not now. But uh, <laughs> I've lost a, a wedding ring before, and I don't want to lose this one. That's for sure. <laughs> Serve and give. Serve and give. Do it to the glory of God. You're at a time of beginning right now. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Serve and give. Love and pray. Next slide, brother, please. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 14. We need to be, and this is what most of the rest of this chapter is going to be talking about, trials. We should be ready to rejoice in our trials. That's not an easy thing you want to hear. At a time of beginning, at a time of retrenching, at a time of, at a time of all these things you want to do to renew your faith, you got to understand, your faith isn't faith until it's tried. Patience isn't patience until it is pushed. we got to understand that if we're going to grow, things are going to come. Offenses will come. In the midst of our struggles, they will come. But the scripture here says, says this very clearly. I take my eyeballs off because they're, they're not doing help me to go. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Isn't it amazing how many Christians, I, it's, it's, it's not amazing, that's the wrong word. Lord Jesus, forgive me. It's more astonishing for me, and I've been a believer since 1981, and I have done my best to take what this word has said and live as, as a disciple of Jesus. And, I, and as I read these scriptures and I read what I see Jesus' own example, it's just always astonishing to me how many Christians don't seem to get that, yeah, we're going to have problems in life. I think part of the teaching that we hear coming around, which tells you that, you're, that you are, as a king's kid, you're never going to lose a battle. You're never going to have nothing that's going to touch you. Oh, just, just confess it away. Possess and confess. It's that old word faith lie. 
that says you're never going to have a struggle. You're never going to have a problem. And by the power of your confession, you can make it just magically vanish away. And that's the problem. It's charismatic magic. It's magic to think that way because only God has that power to speak to the mountains and to be removed. We just have the authority as he leads us to speak to them as well. But we don't make things happen because of what we say. Amen? He alone is God. He is Lord. And he's saying it. With that, the reason why I bring us because I've been in the ministry since 1983, and I've seen this again and again. So many Christians caught up in that so willingly, so just thinking this is this wonderful teaching that we can be victorious and, and we can always have, have what we want and what we say. And when the trouble comes, when the struggle hits, when the loved one dies suddenly, when the child apostatizes and goes off, and runs off, when these sudden things happen, suddenly you start thinking, well, wait a minute, did God lie to me? I've had people tell me that. You know, God lied to me. He said, I've never had this trouble. That, that's not what the scripture says. That's not what the scripture says. Amen? He's saying, and that's what they're saying. Says they're, they're looking at this like there's some strange thing. Well, guess what? We're in the world. This is going to happen. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have trials. We're going to have the world of flesh and the devil pressing hard against us. He says, I don't think it's strange. Too many people think it's so strange that they get offended over it. They stumble over it. And, and Peter's saying, beloved, don't make that mistake. Understand that what you're facing is something God's going to bring you through. Amen? God's going to lift you up. He is faithful. He will bring you afar. He says rejoice, though. Here's the, and here's the kicker. He says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That in the middle of how tough things can be, you can still, there's still a sweetness of joy. Hallelujah. You can still dance. You can still sing. You can still lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. In spite of it all, not because of it, but in spite of it all. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's a tough thing to say when your loved one's dying of cancer. That's a tough one to say when your 29-year career is flushed down the toilet thanks to COVID. That's a tough thing to say when you, when, when you have 10 cents in the bank. But you can thank God you've got the 10 cents in the bank. You can thank God you can start over and get another career. You can thank God that, that even if that loved one is lost by cancer, that God is still on the hand. He can still usher that loved one through the pain and the sorrow. He'll usher them on into his loving arms. And that he still does work miracles. Amen? He still works miracles in that way. In my first home church, we had, a, we had our music minister, some wonderful, talented young man, Playing piano, he's just an anointed young man. He came down with a very, very vicious, very aggressive form of cancer. And they were going to go do chemotherapy. That was the last thing to do to save his life. He didn't have but months to live, if that. We got together on a Sunday night. A Sunday night. We got together on a Sunday night, and we got together. We laid hands on him and said, Mark, in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray God. 
touch you. One dear little lady, one little dear Pentecostal sister come and said, Brother Mark, Jesus is going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. She winked like this. He's going to take care of you. The next morning they had him in, Cha- in, in Rush Memorial. They had him on the table. They had called the pharmacy. They were coming down with the drugs. And they did a final scan on him. And, 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 and right before they were going to plug him up, the doctor walked in and said, Stop! Don't put that in him. We just did a scan. We don't see a single strand of cancer in him. It was there. It was documented. So God still does move as he chooses. The promises of God are yea and amen. He's God we can call him on for our needs. And he can can say yes, amen, yes, he will, amen, yes, he won't. But if he does, the grace will be there. When we talk about he will carry us through. And we should rejoice in that. I guarantee you, we, we, we had us a praise break at the Saltville Church of God that day. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you approach the next verse, or next slide, I believe. Put my eyeballs back on. No, next verse. Um, if you are approached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Oh, hallelujah. Now we're talking about trial, the trial of, of the world. You can be picked on for, being named, for loving Jesus, amen? That's, that's not, uh, it's not news, right? When you become active, when you become public, when you decide you're going to take a stand, get ready. There's not going to be that many people who are going to stand with you. You're not going to be that happy, yet you are going public. But he's saying, be, be, but he's saying you're be in this midst of this glory, re, just, just be happy. And praise God, it says here, it says, be blessed are you, it says here, that you've been reproached for his name. Oh, praise God. To give such a testimony that it pricks the hearts of people that they have to rail back at you. You're blessed. We don't preach about this much, but this is what the scripture says here. You're blessed. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. You want to live a life that's glorifying him. You want to give a testimony that's glorifying him. Amen? Verse 17. Excuse me, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief and an evildoer. That's our third point here. We need to understand that, you know, God is just. We need to trust in that, amen? We need to trust that God is just. Yes, we may go through trials. Yes, we may face tough times. And I'm telling you, saints, God's, <laughs> I'm speaking to people that I think know what I'm talking about, amen? We're all facing trials. We're going to face trials, We're, and they're going to shake the root of our faith. But you know what? If we got our mind made up right now, we got to understand that not only can we rejoice in the midst of the trial, that we can expect God is on the scene. But let, it says here, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, though, as a thief and an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Sometimes, however, we can, do th- we, can, we can go through things that we brought on ourselves, amen? Sometimes we can say too much or do too much or act in certain ways. 
that get people kind of really riled up with us. And sometimes we bring things upon ourselves. He's, that, that's, what Paul, that's what Peter's warning us. Don't go that way. Don't let your flesh fill you in such a way that, that, you, that you do things that really you brought on yourself. We got enough trouble on our hands. Amen. That's just smart sense, right? <laughs> we got enough on our hands to worry about that let's make sure that we understand that we're going to suffer righteously, as it says here. Let's not be busybodies or thieves or murderers or any of these sort of things. And yet that's what we've been talking about. We'll talk about people and such things. I have to, I have to daily fight that off where, where I work at. People trying to get you on one side of an argument or another, and I, I have to sit there, I have to do this. You've got to be careful. You gotta watch. Be, just be careful you don't become caught up in things that make you part of some evil scheme somewhere. Amen? He says, don't, and don't, when, when, the, when you get in trouble, don't suffer. Don't think that's you're suffering for Jesus. You're just suffering because maybe you said too much. Amen? That's what the word says. Amen? That's what he's saying. Yeah, in verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. When you suffer as a Christian, when you have to face people who are going to challenge your faith, people who are going to tell you off, people who are going to absolutely correct your misunderstanding of what the Bible really is, when those people come, take it patiently. Suffer it. Allow it. You can speak, of course. You can have your word. But be careful. Suffer in the name of Jesus. Endure that kind of insolence. And you know what? God will give you words. God will give you the words to say. I remember when I was working, I used to, when I was living in Cleveland, I lived in Cleveland 25 years. <laughs> Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, holy city. Mouth of the waterfall of the church of God. 25 years, I worked at Maytag. I worked at, I, I, I made, some of the stuff I made may have been in your house. I don't know. I hope not. I may hope I didn't mess it up. Hope it didn't tear up. I was in a, in a factory one day, and one day I was talking to some people, and, 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 we, had a, and we had a new young lady come working with us. She's a very hard worker, very diligent. She had, she had just left the exotic dancing scene, so she had a young daughter, and she was really trying hard to live a good way. I don't know if she went to church. I never got down to where we got, where she was going to church or not. But she's a very diligent person. And, of course, she didn't dress terribly well before safety got around to her. And, of course, we had a bunch of men here uh, who ogled her and, and talked to her and everything. And so it all came around to eventually they, they started dragging me into that, 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 that filthy kind of talk they wanted. They wanted me to drag in and discuss with them how I felt. I said, well, she's a very hard worker. What, what else have I got to say? And pretty soon, I, uh, and one, of the, one of the guys making the most vile remarks about how she was dressed and how she looked, the Baptist deacon, he says, oh, come on, man, you've been looking at her. I says, uh, well, no, be honest with you, I have not. She's a human being. She's trying to do right. And he looked at me and says, well, well we all sin a little every day. We all have to sin. I said, are you reading my Bible? Are you re do you read the Bible? Do you read what it says? It says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were made new by the name of by the blood of Jesus. 
It says your sin shall not have dominion over you, brother. Why are you letting it have dominion over you? He, he dripped, he dragged off. And he, he never could lock me out. His, his eyes were like this. He never could lock me eye to eye. That was God's Holy Ghost dealing with him. But for, and for all these other men watching, they knew what he claimed to be, and they knew what I claimed to be. Now I showed them what it really was, what it really means to do right, and, and I could care less what he said about it. He had to be told. I didn't care what kind of suffering I got over it. And to be honest with you, I never heard anything from anybody else. Never. Because I stood for what I knew was right. Praise God. I'm just glad I had that opportunity. But I, wasn't, I didn't go there to win an argument. But I could see these, the, all these young men just, just, just slow, waiting on every word. And I said, you know, something's got to be said. Somebody's got to draw a line to sand here. I guess it'll be me. Praise God. Those are the moments God will give you words. There's moments you're all going to face. That's what Peter is saying here. Expect God's justice. He will intervene. He will touch you. He will make the rough way smooth. Amen? He will do that. Let him glorify God in this matter. And then it goes on to say here, for the time is come. The time is now coming. The judgment, judgment must begin at the house of God. Judgment must begin at the house of God. You hear people say, well, you know what? We, should, we shouldn't be judging. We should not judge. Well, Jesus said judge righteous judgment. He didn't say don't judge. He says do it right. Do it in a holy way. Do it in a humble way. And that's what, he, that's what Peter's referring to here. He's saying judgment is going to begin at the house of God. There's too many scandals going on in Christianity today. To help that, 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 the only way I can make sense of it is because that's what this verse is, is, is telling us. Judgment is beginning in the house of God. Why? Because Jesus is coming. He wants a holy bride. He wants one without spot, without wrinkle. He wants a glorious bride that's serving and loving and being faithful to him. He wants, and he's only going to expect overcomers. Only overcomers. It's, it's, just, it's just a travesty to see the things that go on. But that's, isn't judgment, though, a sign of God's grace? He's trying to purge us of our sin. He's trying to resist the madness that we wallow in just because we're religious and we speak in tongues or, 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 or we're the, the, the megachurch pastor. He's trying to speak to us and realize you've done wrong. Get right. At some point, we got to stand and declare what's right and what's wrong. That's partially what my wife and I do. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I don't want to go there. I don't want any more about that. But the point simply being that the time is coming. And it says here, if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? What will be the end of those? It says, goes on, verse 18. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner, where will they end up? Where will they appear? Pro, that's, that's actually a quotation from Proverbs 11.31, which says, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. See, there's God's justice at work. 
He's going to make sure that, that through the blood of Jesus and by our faith that we're going to walk worthy before him and, and that by our faith in him alone, we're going to receive the promise. Amen. How many are waiting for the promise that was coming? How many are waiting for the promise of your salvation? You know, your salvation's already begun. You already are in eternal life. Did you know that? You're living eternally right now. You're just in a world which is trying to trip you up. Right now, God, he's saying, be ready. Get a hold of that promise. And he's saying, you know, that has been made open for us, but he's pointing out a contrast. What's going to happen to the ungodly? What's going to happen to the sinners in that day of standard, that day of judgment? Just be assured, payday is coming. Payday someday. God's going to make right every wrong so we can commit our lives to him. As the scripture goes on, it says, verse 19, Let therefore those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can trust you. No matter how bad things are, no matter how challenging they may be, God, we can trust you, that you are leading us through. So that should be, as Peter's warning us, our understanding. We should have a resolution to trust in his justice. He will make things right. The first thing being, he will, he will get us out of this mess. Hallelujah. He will get us to the, to the gates of heaven as long as we hold fast to his promises. Hallelujah. Peter was writing to a people that were getting ready to have hell break across them. The Roman emperor was about to gasp on them for persecutions. They were absolutely unreal. They'd been tolerated up to that point, but now they're getting ready to face it. And Peter, and then Peter by, the, by the grace of God and by the, by the prophetic spirit on him, knew things were coming. Of course, the, the Christian street in those days, they weren't too, they weren't too uh, unaware either. They knew things were going to come. There was going to come a point at which things would break, things would change. Brothers and sisters, tonight we are on that same cusp now. It's just that much more subtle. It's that much more gentle. It's that much more hidden by all the things of the world that keep us from really seeing it. I think it's the reason why so many people live such, uh, such careless lives in the church. It's because they, they don't, they, they've heard it all their lives. Jesus coming. Yeah, we heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. You know, my grandpa told me that too. You know, he's, he's been dead 20 years. But grandpa didn't have all the evidence we have now. Amen? The coming is at hand. As musicians come to, to share with me in, in our altar call, when I give one last admonition from the word here, you know, I could have, I, I really, I love, I'm a Pentecostal minister. I love to preach about all kinds of things all, and, and think, speak of the glory and speak of, of, of and see God's movement and, and, be, and just can't meeting type things. I love that. 
But it, ever since my wife and I have been involved in this ministry, God's just been reordering me and forcing me to realize and understand we are on the brink of a break in reality, saints. You've got to start being serious. We got to start being prayerful. We got to love. We got to serve. We've got to trust in God's justice. And we've also got to realize that the trials we face, we're not facing alone. These are the admonitions Peter wanted those Christians to learn. And like I said, I realize it was written for then, but you know what? Prophetically, it's for now too. Amen? God is on the throne. He gave me this. There's a million things I could have brought to you tonight, but this is what he, he straightly commanded me to, to preach from. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word's been delivered here, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to have been here, to declare your gospel, to declare your truth, and now, just for the next few moments, God, as we search ourselves, Lord, help us, Lord, be honest before you. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Everyone stand. Let's just worship the Lord a moment. Praise God. Father, we just thank you. Oh, we thank you, God. Father, we just thank you for every opportunity, Lord, in the end of times to right now begin anew. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for your gospel. Lord, just take control of the rest of the service in Jesus' name. God's been speaking to you. I know he has. I'm not, I have no doubt whatsoever. God's big enough to put lives and people together in such a way. You, this is no accident. God meant for all of us to hear this. I, I, and, and I, believe me, this is going to bother me the rest of my night. I'm going to be thinking about this message. What else do I need to do to, to be ready? But God means for all of us to consider that message tonight, to consider that question. So a question I pose to you now. You want to bow your heads. You want to stare at me. Whatever you want to do. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? Are you committed? Are you truly consecrated? Are you sold out for Jesus? Do you know him? Do you understand the hour we're in? What are you trusting in? Is something between you and him? What's got you tripped up? What's got you tripped up? I hope every one of you can walk out of here tonight and say, you know, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm okay. There's nothing between me and God. There's nothing but I am perfectly fine in Jesus. Praise God. But I, I sense in my spirit there's people wrestling with these questions. And, I'm, and the 
question is, is, are you ready? If you need to recommit to this beginning in the end times here, if you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord, or maybe, or maybe you just have things you're struggling with, I want to invite you to these altars right now. I'm, I'm inviting you right now. But I'm not going to tarry. God's given me a word and it's been delivered. In Jesus' name, if you, if you feel like you need to make that thing right with God, that you may need to make right with Him, if there's things you need to lay down, these altars are open. They're open right now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. And if not, praise God. Hallelujah. If every one of you standing here are good, praise God. You're ready. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I sense more. And I'm not going to be the one to come up and grab you out of the seat. I'm not that kind of preacher. I have been. I did it once, twice. God was in it. But I'll leave it between you and God. Praise God. Altar calls are moments of decision. They're moments of encounter with God, the Spirit. And He's speaking to some of you. I see it. I sense it. I'm going to leave it between you and Him, though. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, lead us the chorus here, would you please? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. We volunteer. We 